What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast. I know it's been quite a minute. We are finally back here with a new episode. New year, new us. I'm here with Danny as always. I'm Mate. And today we're joined by a very, very special guest, Dion from Hoop Journal. He has a great page over on Instagram. You guys should go follow him just at Hoop Journal. And yeah, he makes some great content and we're very excited to have him joined here today. Thanks, man. Really appreciate that. I'm uh, excited to make my my debut on the Booming Basketball Pod. I, this is a day in history for sure. And today what we're going to be talking about is obviously the trade deadline is coming up early in February. And there's a lot of teams that are bound to be making some moves, staying still, doing whatever. But we definitely have uh, our thoughts on what teams should be doing, either buying or selling. So we're going to go over some teams today. And I'm going to be asking these two guys basically whether they think these teams should be buying or selling. So, I mean, let's hop right into it. And the first team I want to talk about, because I have some strong opinions about them, is the Atlanta Hawks. What do you guys think these guys are at the deadline? Because as of right now, they've had a very, very underwhelming season. They're 10th in the East, 19-27. and And, you know, things have not been great for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. I will let our lovely guest lead us off here. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate that. And I, I got a lot to say about this one, so I'm glad you said that. I 1,000% think the Hawks should be sellers at the deadline. Um, I said as much, actually, on my own Instagram uh, yesterday. Yeah, like you said, Danny, um, or no, Nate said this, sorry, 19 and 27 on the season. And it's, you know, clearly just they're not going in the right direction. Like, I, I got to give Trey on credit. I think he's been really good this season. Um, his defensive effort is like definitely an uptick from what I've seen from him oh, in the yeah, past. Sure. Still doing his usual like twenty nine and ten on the offensive end, so he's been fine. He's not like I would say the problem for this season. It's just clearly this mix is just not going to go anywhere. Like the, this team is just not going anywhere. I absolutely think they should be sellers. I would trade essentially anyone besides Trey Young, Jalen Johnson, and Onyeka Okongwu. I think everyone else should absolutely uh, they should test their value and see what they can get. I would do a complete it, tear down if I, if I was the Hawks GM. Isn't it crazy that Trey just needed to try to play some defense to to be considered an uptick from last year? All he had to right, do was it's try. crazy what effort can do for you on the defensive end, especially when you go from zero effort to at least some. Yeah, actually, that's yeah, the thing too is like I I've never been a big Trey Trey Young guy because I there's the efficiency, the defense, but that's the thing I can appreciate is no, he's not a great defender. He's probably never going to be a plus defender, but at least he's giving effort and trying and running around and trying to get through screens. And, you know, at least not just sitting there kind of watching things unfold. But, yeah, the, this roster makeup is just, I, I don't know. I can't get behind it. The, the defense, too, is just really, the defense for this team is putrid. Like, you can say it how it is. And I think uh, Okongwu, the guy you just mentioned, is, is someone who they really should be looking to get more minutes. And I think, honestly, right now, priority number one has to be getting Clint Capella out of there and giving Onyeka uh, yes. a chance to start. Yeah, I've, I've been saying that for years now. Like, I'm a huge Okongwu fan. And it feels like they'll do anything besides let him be the starting center. Like I've seen they've gone a lot more to Okongwu and Capella on the floor at the same time this season. It's disgusting to watch. It's, yeah. I, I absolutely think they should get Capella out of there. No, no disrespect to Capella. I think whoever they might trade him to, like I, I proposed him going to the Knicks with them using the Evan Fournier salary. I think that would be a great fit. I think Clint Capella still has a lot to offer for a team, but not this team. No. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, Capella's a good player. It's just the timeline is weird with this team. And I, I think, honestly, that having a guy like Okongwu who can run the floor better, he's very athletic. He can put the yeah. ball on the floor a little bit, at least more so than a guy like Capella does. And I think that playing with, if they do you know, decide to keep Trey Young, I think that Okongwu would be a very, very good fit 
for him, especially in the pick and roll, because Akangu is very athletic. I think they could use him almost how the Heat use Bam. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Bam, but he's one of those, like, he's a little undersized for a center, but he can run the floor very well. And he's a solid passer for a big. I just think that they're limiting kind of the things that they're that he's been able to do. And they drafted him with a top 10 pick. So I've just been confused by their development of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they if they move on from uh from Clint Capella, like you guys said, Onyeko Okongwu, you know, gets the nod in this in the starting role, which will be great for them because they'll they'll open up to being an even you know more young team now. They have they have solid young players. They have I like AJ Griffin a lot. Um we saw them go out and get Sadiq Bey this offseason. I don't think Sadiq Bey has played that well this season. Yeah, he's no, shooting, he's like he's shooting terrible. Yeah. Um yeah, but like I said, young guy, opportunity. If you have more opportunity in that, then the obvious we've seen we've seen Sadiq play well. We've right. seen Sadiq put up 40 or yeah, 40 on the Pistons a few games. Um and I I kind of take a different approach to it than uh a lot of people might. Um I if I'm the Hawks, honestly, I even though they won't do this because it's not it just doesn't sound realistic. Um I, I would test the waters for Trey. Like that's it. It might sound just so out of pocket because no, I I agree he, with you. I I agree that they're not probably not gonna do that, but I, I do agree. I think they should. He's the he's the best thing that they have. But I feel like with his play style, like so, I feel like someone like that just can't win a ring, dude. Like he he doesn't. I mean, he he's been trying on defense, like we said. But as Nate said, Trey Young will never be a plus defensive player. It it just won't ever be a thing. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's he's a guy. He he has to take like. 70% of the shots and it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's never going to work with him as like the best player on the team. I think he could play winning basketball, but they can't like build a franchise around him and expect that they're ever going to be contenders. Am I yeah, I agree with that. Am I wrong for thinking I would love Trey Young so much more if he averaged like 10 less points a game but just shot better from the field and took better shots? Like I'd rather him play like Steve Nash than try to play like a hybrid of Steph Curry and Steve Nash. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. With what really bothers me about Trey more than anything else is just like his inability to play off the ball or like just unwillingness maybe yeah, because it, I, I'm not needing yeah, whether or not he's capable or not. But if he would just get off the ball a little bit, like come off the screen, like he doesn't have to be Steph Curry, but if, if at least he could make those comparisons make sense, because if you remember, like everyone was comparing him to Steph yeah. when he came into the league, made no sense. They don't play similarly at nope. all. If he could tap into that just a little bit, I think it would do wonders because the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks have a good offense statistically, but you watch the Hawks, like it's pretty clear that like, they're all just tired of sitting around watching Trey operate the yeah. entire time. So if he would just play off the ball a little bit, I think that would fix a lot of their issues. Because like you look at you look at the roster on paper, just the names on the team, like they have a lot of like cumulative talent. This should be a playoff team on paper. Absolutely. Oh my god, yes. But yeah, yes. I think the, I think the Trey Young, like standing around watching him do ninety nine percent of the ball handling. I think that's a big reason why they're probably not that good on defense you know you don't really want to give the same amount of effort when you don't feel like you're being involved offensively so i, I feel like if he could change his play style it would do wonders for this team can i um, get a take on what you guys think about dejounte murray in this whole situation that's actually what i was just gonna ask next i want to because i think with dejounte i don't think the fit honestly is that like i think they could make it work if trey was more willing to play off the ball like you just yeah. said but it, it, he just hasn't so far and you know he does he's a better shooter than his numbers show because i mean you look at the difficulty of the threes he's taking he's only shooting like 35 percent from three but he does take a lot of difficult shots which is a lot of his own fault but he's clearly a talented shooter and if he was just coming off screens and off the ball sometimes and taking better shots that percentage would look so much better 
and he'd just be more effective for them. I I don't see DeJounte getting traded at this point because I don't think there's enough interest around the league, and I think that they want more for him than they're going to get unless like the Lakers somehow pull something out of their ass. But do you guys think DeJounte is going to actually get moved? No. It feels like it. It does feel like it just based on the reporting. But, yeah, I think you make a good point that, like, the market's not really there. Think about what they gave up to get him, three first-round picks. They want that They're back, not getting they're that, not back. No crazy. Need to get that back. They'd have to be willing to just cut their losses on it. And, like, I don't know. Like, part of me thinks it's not going to happen. But then, you know, you look at what the Lakers did at the deadline last year. I didn't think that was going to happen. So, if he ends up on the Lakers, like, I guess I can't be shocked. But, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a really good market out there for him, especially well, considering what they gave up. When we look back at the like the uh, original like acquisition of Dejounte, the the reason why they brought him along was to make up for Trey's lackluster. Might be giving him a compliment. Uh, awful, god awful defense. Basically, just not being there at all. Yep. Um, and, and Dejounte, it, na- yeah. now it now it kind of just seems like a like, like they could co- like coexist in the same system, but it just seems like it's the wrong system. Long yeah. scheme. Yeah, I gotta say, what do you guys? What have you guys thought of Quinn Snyder this season? Because when they hired him, I was I was very excited. I expected to see like a whole new Hawks team on the court, and they look exactly the same as they did last year. Yeah, I so was give it a little more time. I was also excited for Snyder. I thought Snyder's a great coach. Obviously, he took those those Utah teams that made the playoffs almost every year were not as good as a four seed every year, but he got them to a four or five seed a lot of those. I think they got a one and, seed one of those years as well. Yeah, like that that Jazz team was it was. Con, that was the, the year so Clint Capella is not Rudy Gobert. That's it's also thing. a difference between a built team and a bought team. I want well, to say. Yeah. Like, I also think part of the problem is that this Hawks team doesn't have any championship experience or even like deep playoff experience. They have zero like yeah. veterans that have actually like you know mm-hmm. made a mark on on the league really. Yeah, Other Capella, like Capella was on those Rockets teams, and that's yeah, really about it. Like technically, I, they do have Wes Matthews on the roster, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, in terms of the actual rotation, not a lot of experience. Yeah, like I, I'm. Capella is just one of those guys. Like I don't even not to like disrespect the Capella, but I don't think he's doing a whole lot of talking and you know like really. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see him as like really a, a veteran that's kind of you know get into guys and like tell them what they're doing wrong or like Capella just seems like a very laid back, reserved guy to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't personally know Clint Capella, obviously, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I think the thing with the Hawks is. You had they brought in Quinn Snyder to try to like you know rebuild this like regime their their identity and you know get some you know hard nosed basketball knowledge a guy that's gonna not you know let them let his players walk all over him and on the court it can they kind of just do whatever the fuck they feel like it I feel like at times their defense is super uncoordinated the offense is at half, half the time just watching Dejounte or Trey take ISO um take ISO plays and then everyone else just kind of sits back and watch but. You know, I guess I think we're all in agreement that, you know, the Hawks are going to be sellers. The next team I want to talk about was someone we just mentioned in that Hawks talk was the Lakers. What do you guys think with the Lakers? Well, I think they're, they're uh, definitely buyers, right? Like, there's no world in which yeah. like, they're selling. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's in why I don't. Who they actually go after, I, I really don't know. Like, DeJounte is the name. But I would have I would have really liked to see them land Rozier. Obviously, he's he's off the market now, but. I'd like to see them add someone with some scoring punch, someone that can like solve some of their half court issues. I think the base is there for a good defense. Obviously, you have Anthony Davis, uh, Vanderbilt, Tareen Prince. Like they have a lot of guys that contribute defensively. They have a pretty solid baseline there. My issue with the Lakers is the half court offense. That's why yeah, I feel like terrible. Zach Levine could actually be a destination. Um, just just because they need something in the half court. Like it can't just be all LeBron. They really have. I mean, D'Lo's been cooking recently, but they mm-hmm. just really really lack some creation. 
And that's what I feel like they got to go after. Yeah, I think that the I think that the pieces are there, but I don't think that the puzzle is complete in the sense where I think that D'Lo could, you know, be the guy to get the Lakers over the hump when it comes to their half court offense because recently he's been playing. He's been playing pretty great recently, even though uh it it kind of seemed I, I mean not the past like eight games I'll say, but before that it seemed a little inconsistent. Like he could be a guy who could give you 36 one night on ridiculous shooting. And then the next night he'll go out and get you like eight points on like God awful shooting and yeah. has a, you know, like a play that contributed to losing the game. Um, and also Braun has a player option uh, this upcoming off season, which is probably pretty scary for Lakers fans. Um, but I mean, they, they like I said, they're going to have the they're going to have the fear of D'Lo disappearing in the when it comes playoff time again. Yeah, as you say, that's kind of the player that he is. Like, yeah, you don't have he, to expect that. You, yeah, you don't really know what you're gonna get for him. Exactly, he's, mo he's most likely gonna disappear come playoff time. Braun's gonna step it up come playoff time, he's, and D'Lo's negative effect is gonna outweigh LeBron's positive effect. And then, do you guys like the Levine fit? I was actually gonna say, I like honestly, like if there's any team to trade for Levine, I think it has to be the Lakers because yeah, you know, like their half court creation is so bad. It is so bad. It is painful to watch their offense sometimes. They are, I don't, like, I don't want to call them the worst shooting team in the league because, like, they're not. There's obviously, like, the Pistons and teams that aren't even, like, real basketball teams. But, like, they're for as, for as much talent as they have on their roster, the Lakers shooting is atrocious. They don't have, like, a single guy that I would probably be comfortable giving the ball to and just letting him shoot five, six threes a game. D'Lo does that, but again, D'Lo's, you know, he's as consistent as Nick J.R. Smith. One game, he's going to look great. The next game, he's going to look like he doesn't belong on a basketball court. So, I don't know. Like, the, the Lakers, obviously, like, they have to kind of, you know, go in with all this since LeBron's last year, possibly, with them. And they're going to try to do something at the deadline. They're going to be buyers. I don't know if that's what they should do, but I just, I don't know. The Lakers are such a I mess. Think, I can't, I really have no answers for the Lakers. Well, I there's think, just I not think even enough movement, bro. I think they have to be buyers. Like, there's no way that, because even if they are selling, like, who are they going to sell? They're going exactly. to sell. They not, you know, to, back is, up, to back up your point, Nate, the Lakers are 30th in three-point attempts. They're, they're 16th in percentage, but they take the least amount of threes in the league. Like, it's just, I don't they know. They do, but, 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 but they also, their top two guys also are, you know, merchants when it comes to getting to the bucket, not necessarily outside shooting. Well, that's the problem, so though. That, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the reason for it. But yeah, I, honestly, now that I look at it, a guy like Levine really would help that. Like, that's what, I think it, that I think that him not being, uh, you know, second 1A, 1B option, you know, like he is in Chicago right now. Like, he'll, bro, he'll be like the third option. Like, they're yeah, gonna like they're gonna have yeah and like they're gonna have like they're gonna have like their third best defender guarding Levine every night and I that's just that's fits like right well, the, the thing too is that like with, with Levine is I don't think because I think Levine has quite a bit of an ego as we saw him have his little hissy fits with yeah, Chicago no, 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 yeah you guys can agree with that yeah yes yeah so I don't think that's really gonna be as much of a problem when he's playing under LeBron at AD because LeBron's not gonna take that shit from him like if Levine starts doing that know. like he's gonna get the boot. So, like, again, if they if they do get Levine, I don't think, like, the whole thing right now seems to be that they don't want to let go of Austin Reeves, who I think they forget is almost 26 years old at this point, or, or is 26 years old at this point. 
Austin Reeves is not some young player that's going to be like part of your few big big time future. I just don't see like the infatuation with him. He's a solid role player, but I don't see him ever going past that. And I don't think that holding on to him in regards to hoping that he's your future after LeBron leaves, I just don't see how that's even like a plausible idea. No, I agree. I definitely wouldn't make him untouchable, but he is. I think so, he's pretty clearly like their third best player. Yeah. Given inconsistency. So, Nate, are you looking at Austin Reeves as like an uh, asset? I mean, he's their only real asset right now at this point. Yeah. Like, no, like he is like legitimately their only positive asset, other than maybe like Max Rui. Christie slightly to some rebuilding team. I mean, they do you have the twenty nine. Really? I still feel Rui, like that bro? that twenty twenty nine picks got to hold a lot of value. From Rui who? holds no value. Rui, Rui, I don't. Yeah, Rui, maybe not so much. Seventeen mil is like Rui's making a ridiculous amount for. Oh, how- I didn't even know Rui's making seventeen million. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this year and then the next two, if I'm not mistaken. So he's oh, a good man. player, but like I don't think he has a lot of trade value. Overpaid. Yeah, no. If he, yeah, no. If he was still on, if he was on like a, you know, like common role player. Contract, the way Lakers fans were talking about him, you'd think he's a max player after last playoffs. <laughs> hey, if he was getting like under ten million, though, that would be an asset. But, yeah, but he's not. I, I did not know he was making seventeen. Wow. Right. Well, what they did was they signed D'Lo and Rui to those extensions in a way where the amount of money matches up like perfectly to Kyrie's contract, but the Mavs have actually been pretty good this season, so Kyrie's not getting traded. I feel I like that was their whole plan. The Lakers have had this fantasy of Kyrie for so for so many years and getting <laughs> LeBron, and it's just like we want LeBron and Kyrie, just like the Cavs, just like the Cavs. Um, yeah, enough for the Lakers. I I think people talk about the Lakers too much as it is. Then the next team I want to go over. Is um, it's not like I guess like it's a team that's been very good and a very bad at points. It, it's the Jazz. I want to talk about the Jazz because Ooh. I don't know what the Jazz should necessarily do because you know obviously they had they've had this stretch of beating a bunch of very very good teams and looking like a legit contender. Not a contender. Okay, I'm not gonna say that. They're not not looking like a contender, but a playoff team like they were last year in the beginning of the season. I mean, but, hey, they they beat the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nuggets all in a row. I think in that order, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like they they when when the Jazz are at their best, they're very very good. So I'm confused whether or not their vision is win now partially or just completely rebuild for the future. Because if they made another move or two, maybe trading John Collins for you know a wing defender or a three and D guy, I, I don't know. But I, I think that See, the Jazz have a good foundation. If you guys are in the Jazz shoes, what are you guys doing? Danny, I'll um, let you take this one. To to be honest, I, I mean, I'm I'm probably blowing it up in the sense like I, I'm probably gonna look for what I can get for Lori only because so the high. fact that oh you're trading yeah, Lori yeah. why are you trading Lori? Uh, Do you well, know how rare know. it is for a guy to actually want to be in Utah. All right, and be good I, at I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. I'm a Thunder fan. Well, let me get this, Danny. Where do you where do you see Lori? Like, where would you rank him in the league right now? Amongst what? Like Just like he's player. a top what player to you? Twenty five. Yeah. So why are you trading a top twenty five player for the Utah Jazz when he's what, someone? So, it's because some other teams are gonna. Well, no, you reach out to teams that you know are one piece away or that are looking for that one piece that is Laurie Markkinen, mm. such as as. Uh, I mean, well, you could call me biased, but the Thunder, like they have that chest of draft picks and. Utah could just open that up and have potential for even more draft picks. Lori's what, 26? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, right? I don't hate that, I, but 
I just, I just don't know because like you Utah's just not a, it's not a place where a star is going to go in the offseason or anything exactly. like that so I just, getting I, I, getting rid of Lori is what? like I it's just that's where I struggle is finding a guy like Lori is as good as he is and finding and him wanting to be in Utah is so huge because like I said whoever wants to go to Utah who has ever signed with Utah in the offseason this is Utah's, I guess but do you the, the goal is championship, though. Yes, the goal like, is championship. Like, that's the goal for any NBA team. Second or third best player on a championship team. And how are they yeah, going to get me, there first? Let me counter with this, Danny, because um, I, I think you would be right to point out that Laurie is not going to be your number one on a team that wins the finals. But like Nate said, it's very, very hard to get players who are that good to play in Utah and stay in Utah. So, yeah, you could trade him for a bunch of draft picks and hope that you draft the next Kawhi Leonard or Giannis at the end of the lottery or something like that and you get lucky but realistically I think they got to use the excess of draft picks they already have to go and get someone to pair with Lori Markkinen that I feel like is a much more realistic path for them to become contenders because if they trade Lowry unless they get lucky in the draft which we all seem to be down on this year's draft yeah. uh, I just don't see how they go and ever acquire a player like Lori Markkinen because like you said they're not getting one in free agency I'm probably just jumping the gun on it but I, I don't know. I'm probably just jumping the gun on it, to be honest I, with you guys. I just feel like like this is why um earlier on in the season, before they were absolutely terrible and just were, lost the season, I was pushing for Zach Levine to the Hornets because, for one, I think he's a good fit with LaMelo, but the Hornets just don't have any other path to acquire a player as talented as someone like Zach Levine. And there's a, it's a similar situation for the Jazz. So I understand that like they're kind of stuck in the middle, and Laurie's 26. He's probably... Like, if they're going to rebuild, he's not going to be around for the next iteration. But I just, if they trade Laurie, they might never see, or they might not see a player that's talented again for a while. I, so, yeah, I'd what, almost what, what my, my fault, Nate. Well, my logic is that they're in, like, like you said, they're in, like, a middle ground. And, like, like I said, Laurie's not going to be the number one piece, but I don't know how, how do you acquire the number one piece with the draft. Like I, I, like, I know that you could trade the draft picks, but at the same time, you need more than just draft picks, bro. You need... You need like high level assets, which they have. They do. They got a Keontae they George. Have. They got Walker. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, like. I think if anything, I'd almost rather see them. They have a lot of a slew of young talent and good role players that people are going to want. Chris Dunn's a solid player. Whether they keep him or try to trade him, I don't know. You know, obviously Kelly Olynyk has been a great, great bench player. Or just even when he starts, Kelly Olynyk is a very, very solid role player. Keontae George, like you just mentioned, they have Taylor Hendricks, who they just drafted in this year's draft. John Collins, who isn't as attractive as he once used to be, but he still is an asset. They definitely have, and like, like Dion just said, the huge slew of, of draft capital that they have. They're not quite at the Thunder's level of draft capital, but they do have a lot. And there's some flexibility with this roster. And even if it's not signing someone in the offseason, because, you know, like, like we said, the chances of someone signing with Utah is it great? They definitely can go out and get someone via the trade market now with how much, you know, how many assets they have. And I just think that, you know, if they can get someone next to Lori, this could be they have the blueprints to be a very, very well-rounded team. They're not, I don't think they're gonna get a superstar, but I think they, they could still be end up being a contender or a solid playoff team with Lori and then surrounding him with like other very, very solid players rather than just a superstar. So like, yeah, like we could say this but like do you guys have any like potential stars in mind that might be available in the next like couple months that would be like the one for the jazz about to after? we talked about the hawks earlier what about trey young if they ever decide to blow things up i actually is he though 
ironically, is I think the don't one? hate that fit. I, I kind of like so. that. Is, that's the one. I mean, it could it be, but be the one. I mean, yeah, I don't. Because I don't know. I don't see a team with Trey Young and Lori only coming out of the East. Yeah, the East. Or sorry, West. Jesus, dude, I'm <laughs> I'm on today, man. I'm on. Um, especially the West. Yeah, I think that's the worse. that's the question though with like pretty much every team trying to get upgrades at this point is there's no stars really available. Like the Knicks have had this dilemma for years now. They've had all the assets to trade for a star, but there really hasn't been one you know desirable enough, I guess, for them to. And shell then when there is one, they go to Brooklyn instead. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, that's unnecessary. Bro, I think I just think that how I thought about it was, oh, since the Jazz are just in like kind of a middle ground right now and they're not going to contend this year. Yeah. Or or not even be in talks about contention this year that they should let go of their 26-year-old player. I guess that that was wrong of me to say that. No, but, I think that... I, I mean, think no, like you, you ago, definitely I have a point with it. It's just... Like, I think our whole thing is just it's very hard to get a player of that caliber in a, in a small-ass market like Utah. Yeah. yeah. I feel like three weeks ago I might have agreed with Danny, but the way they've been playing recently, I feel like they, they might be more apt to be buyers, especially knowing Danny Ainge. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. about after Danny Ainge uh, blew up the Celtics, and then, like, a year later, he was trading for, like, Jay Crowder and, like, other role players and stuff trying to get better. So, like, he added Isaiah Thomas, and obviously we know how that one worked out. So... Knowing Danny, I would expect him to be a buyer and look to improve the team. But I mean, at the same time, if they trade Clarkson, they trade Olenek, that would not surprise me either. Yeah, like if you look at it now, I actually forgot Clarkson. I don't know how, but he's another. He's honestly one of their more valuable assets because of the fact that he would fit perfectly on a lot of contenders as a six-man or bench scorer. But yep. I think um, my mind just drew blank for a second. What on earth just happened? Um, but with the Jazz is if... You have, you know, you have all these these assets and you can trade for someone. But what happens, like, I just, I don't see Danny Ainge, like, overpaying for someone. So, I think, you look at what Danny Ainge did with the Celtics. Remember when he had these Celtics teams coming up and he, this Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, it all started from Isaiah Thomas and then trading those picks. And honestly, you can track it all the way back to KG and Paul Pierce when he finally moved on from them and traded them to the Nets. So he has a vision definitely for this Jazz team. And they're already, you know, like playing better than expectations, I'd say, at least for me. And if they just keep building this core and getting in, bringing in some little guys or good role players, veterans, and just, you know, building on that young core, getting them experience, getting them, you know, a taste of winning, I think that can almost be invaluable at times. And, you know, maybe the Jazz core, you look, you don't look at it right now and say, okay, that's a championship or a future championship core. I think that they could definitely get there, but you don't necessarily just have to take one big step. Like Danny Ainge is very, very good at taking baby steps to get where yeah. he wants. Right. That's another thing. I also forgot about who who was uh, in charge over there. Yeah. I forgot that Dan. I forgot that Danny Ainge was over there in Utah now. Also, Dion, another thing that uh might be you know, leading to me saying that's that I'm a biased Thunder fan. I just really want Laurie, man. I get it. I get it. I mean, he would fit in so beautifully next to Chet. If, yeah. if you, if, I don't know. I feel like that is the most logical trade scenario if he does go somewhere. And honestly, let's say the Thunder do somehow, or let's say the Thunder are on drugs and Sam Presti is really feeling it. He just did a big line of cocaine. And he's like, you know, I'm going to offer you six first round picks for Laurie Markkinen. I think that is very, very difficult for the Jazz to still pass up, though. 
It wouldn't even yeah, make a dent in the Thunder's draft chest either. It like, wouldn't, it, which is why yeah, the Thunder could do it. Yeah. So, I, just, I think it comes down to if they're willing to give up any of the valuable first. Because you, if you look at OKC's picks, there's a ton of like a lot of more protected picks that yeah. aren't going to yeah. mean much. Hidden there's a lot of pick in. swaps and shit. Yeah. So if they were giving up a couple of valuable firsts that they got, then yeah, I could see them just saying, fuck it, we'll move on from Laurie. The ones but... that'll be valuable will be the Rockets ones. I'm pretty sure that that's the most valuable ones that we're going to have. Yeah, I mean, but still, like, there's the quantity of them is you have so many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. At some point, but... they're going to have to trade them. Yeah, because they can't keep making all these draft picks. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can't. They're literally going to have like they're going to have too many players. Be an NBA team. Yeah, their entire G League team is going to be first round picks. <laughs> yes, yeah, literally fucking ridiculous. Like two K. Um, but yeah, so I guess for the we can move on from the Jazz. But so are we all in agreement then that they are buyers? Or Danny, are you are you sticking with your seller, your gut feeling? I'm, I think I'm just going to say middle of the pack. I don't necessarily know yeah. but if i it, honestly honestly now knowing who's in charge i could sit here and agree with you guys i forgot that danny ainge was in utah uh, honestly which is surprising but yeah you're right seeing what he seeing what he did with boston years ago and just how he finagled and finessed his way to you know what the celtics ultimately were two years ago and mostly are now or yeah most yeah. core now yeah Danny Ainge probably does have a vision over there for Utah. You guys are probably right. Let's I go agree. back to uh, now that we're done talking about the Jazz, we can another team, the next team I want to talk about, we can go back over to the Atlantic Division where Danny Ainge used to be. The 76ers and the Joel Embiid MVP season, obviously in, in the midst, unless he misses five more games. And um, the way that I pray he misses six more games. <laughs> I love that rule. Oh I love it. It's great. Oh, it's funny, though, because like Halliburton's like three games away, and I'm going to be upset if he doesn't get all NBA because he's been so good. But then after Embiid ducked Jokic for the fourth year oh, in a row in Denver, I was you like, know what I, I hope he misses six more games. <laughs> Dude, I really hope that he plays I just, more. I just realized Randall's probably not going to be eligible for all NBA now. Probably not. Right. Who's going to tell no. him? Who's going to tell him? Randall wasn't making all NBA. Yes, he was. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. He wasn't. Maybe Brunson. I think Brunson's got a really strong third team case. Okay, so going back out east, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, who I think, for me, for me at least, it's pretty obvious that they're going to be buyers. But, you know, with Joel Embiid obviously being the MVP probably this year, Tyrese Maxey, they have a solid group of role players. Tobias Harris has been having a very, very solid season. But I think that they still are going to be buyers because this is right now a team that's trying to win right now. So... Are we all on the same page for that, or what do you guys think? Yes, sir. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's just a matter of how much of a buyer they're going to be. Like, are they just going to add like a role player, use like the Marcus Morris contract, or are they going to go all in and try to get a star? That's really the only question for me. Dude, they can't trade Marcus Morris. They gave him the keys to the city. (laughs) (laughs) They did do that, huh? They did. He's he's got an incredible contract, though. He actually he played the other night in Denver because like half the team was out. But he is literally just a cheerleader. For I mean, he's been shooting the ball well. He shot forty three percent from three for them. What's your season. What's your guys' thoughts on a uh, uh, Toby? I I like Toby, I, he, but bro, I think he's, that play, he's he had has, a good year. Thirty six mil is crazy. Yeah, yeah that's I, what I'm I've saying. Always, from the from the minute he got that fully guaranteed max contract, I've been making fun of it. But the fact of the matter is, Tobias Harris is a really solid player. Like he's not yeah. thirty six million solid, 20. like like Nate said, but um. I'm sorry, I keep confusing. Danny said that. I'm sorry. But um, 
Yeah, Tobias is an interesting one because, like, if they trade him, it's kind of like they, they got to replace him. Like, they don't really have someone behind yeah. him that does what he does. Yeah, that, exactly. that's you're ta- you're ta- if you move on from Tobias, you're taking a step back. But my my thought process is that I, I feel like, um, you know, Maxi's broken into stardom and, like, th- this is their window, bro. Like, Maxi's broken into stardom. That's a perfect secondary piece to have. I don't, I, I don't know what you guys think of Maxi, but I love him. You don't know my um, biggest. And then, and then Embiid, th- this is this is the window, bro. That's Embiid, the this is, these are his MVP years. These are his prime years. He put up seventy for God's sake last week. It, it it's time. What I want to say about that too is, I think the biggest reason why the Sixers have to be buyers and not just low buyer, like they have to make sure this roster. If the Sixers lose again before the second round or in the second round, I think Embiid is out of there. I think he requests a trade. I do not see him just wasting the rest of his career on a team who's clearly, you know, not shown a will to improve regularly or year in and year out. They've kind of went three steps forward, then two two steps forward, then three steps backward with the James Harden and Ben Simmons trade. It's just been a whole lot of, you know, back and forth. And I think they finally now have a good core group and it's time to add to that. And I think the only way to really like become significantly better is by trading Tobias Harris for an upgrade. Um, the role players are really solid. Like, I don't know how much better their role players could get at this point other than maybe adding a bench scorer uh, off the bench, obviously off the bench if he's a bench scorer, but yeah. adding someone to score off like the bench, a six man, someone to give a scoring punch because they don't have a ton of shot creators, but their defense is good. They trust each other. Ball movement is solid. They have the MVP, obviously. And if they do fail again in the playoffs, I don't know where they go from that. So I think that they have to ensure that this roster is built to withstand the playoffs this year. Well, I, I want to push yeah. back on what you said, Nate, because I agree that Embiid could be out of there if they lose in the second round again. But I don't really feel like it would it would be justified for him to request a trade in the sense that, like, oh, this team has failed me. Like, Daryl Morey's done a ton to put a lot of talent around him. Like, he was able to flip Ben Simmons into James Harden. You know, they lost James Harden, and we're still able to recoup decent value given the situation. And as far as trading Tobias, like, he makes 39, but you can get to 33 with Marcus Morris, Covington, and Korkmaz. So unless they're going after a star and you need to add like the talent of someone like Tobias, like salary wise, they can go after a, a, a big fish, quote unquote, um, just with some of their like depth pieces. That's true. I was just thinking value wise, because I, most of those players are not very valuable. No doubt. No like, doubt. And they don't what have a lot of draft, very valuable draft. Their draft. I think they have most of their draft picks, but they none have, of them. If I'm not mistaken. They have three tradable first round picks. Yeah, but then, like of, it would okay. it would expand to five in the summer. And that's the thing, though, is none of those picks are very highly valued because even with as long as Embiid is on that team, they're still probably going to be a top four seed every single season. Right. So can, can I just can I just say, and I think that you guys will agree with me on this, even though that this isn't the best uh, Philly team that we've seen in the past five years on paper, I don't think. Um, like I feel like this is the most serious that I've taken Philly as a contender. Are you saying like in the post Jimmy Butler era? Because I forget yeah. how long he's been gone now, but I yeah, think, this is I think like their best their best oh. chance since they lost Jimmy Butler. I think. Yeah, like this is like the most serious that I'm taking them in the sense right. like I I think that this is like an actual team that can you know like make a run at the finals and surprise some people and like it like I said, there's no time better than now. You have right. Tyrese Maxey who's an All Star now and Joel Embiid who is putting up MVP numbers who yeah. would probably be MVP again if it wasn't for the new rule. Well, yeah, that, I think now is definitely the time. And I'll tell you right now, as a Celtics fan, I never take the Sixers seriously in the playoffs. Like even last year after they yeah. won game six, going into game seven, like I wasn't even sweating. And of course, obviously the Celtics blew them out and 
honestly, like historic fashion, but no part of me was like, oh yeah, the Sixers are going to beat the Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. Like it's just not going to happen. But this year, like I actually have to take them seriously and beats playing better than I've ever seen him play. Um, obviously we'll see if he stays healthy, but yeah, I agree. The window is right now. So I don't know if the star is out there. Like, do you guys think like Zach Levine is a good fit? Because I don't love that, but I do feel like they should mm. be going after a big name. I don't love the fit of Levine I, just because I think I wouldn't Levine... like the front court defense, bro. Or sorry, backcourt defense would be yeah, but yeah, it'd be pretty bad. The the whole thing with with Levine is I just don't really like his fit on any team. If I'm being honest, I don't like <laughs> Levine as a player. I think he's selfish. I like I, I just think he he's best in a role where he's the go to scorer, but a team is not going to succeed where he's the go to scorer, which is right. the biggest problem. <laughs> Nate, Nate said Zach Levine doesn't belong in the league. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, there's plenty of players that are very like Russell Westbrook has been that his whole career, in my opinion. No, you're you're 100 right. For years, for years, I've been trying to figure out like a term for that type of player, someone who's like talented but is like not talented enough for the role that they have to play. There's a ton of guys like that in the NBA, and I feel like a lot of people don't recognize that. Like people are like, oh, Zach Levine, he's got what like an 87 overall on 2K. Like, yeah, throw him on this team. But it's it's way more dynamic of a situation than that. And with Levine too, is I think there's you know, complications too, because if he doesn't get the touches he wants or something, I think he's going to complain. And right. I don't think he's a guy that's okay giving, like, even if he wants to win, I don't think he's cool giving up his touches. I just don't. Like, everything that is, I've seen from Levine in his career so far would tell me that I'm right on that too. Yeah. So, and I don't get that, bro, because what has he done to, to deserve that well, kind of treatment? I will say, I will say this. He does want to contest. Like, <laughs> if you guys recall the, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, Zach Levine was like the eighth option, like the ninth option on that team, him and Booker. And we saw them turn into like really good defensive players for those couple of weeks there. So there is evidence to suggest that Zach Levine can buy into a role, but not on an NBA court to that point. We haven't seen it. That's why I feel like the Lakers are the only good fit because LeBron and like the whole Lakers thing would like force him into a role. Otherwise, you just get bounced. Who, who was the head coach of that team in Tokyo, though? Was it Pop Spolstra? uh kerr i think right, kerr, yeah, kerr, right. The okay yeah kerr so kerr so still still probably a top five coach in the nba you don't have billy donovan as your head coach right so, steve yeah. kerr is really good yeah. at naming his children <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah i don't think i don't think levine's the guy for the sixers that's that's the problem is i would love to see the sixers go all in and go get a, a third guy or even like a second guy maybe but i just don't think that guy's out there like, that, that's probably better off just using like one of their expiring contracts to go get a nice role player. Like if they go get Bruce Brown, whew, now now I'm a little bit you know I got to take him serious. But I, I don't like, know. I just I just don't think the big name is out there. You know who I would love to see on this team, but it's not going to happen. Jeremy Grant. Ooh, yeah. It's not going to happen because of his contract unless they trade Tobias. And I think, well, God, well Jesus the whole Christ. Well, I, well, think I don't whole... know. I mean, the Blazers, the Blazers are in a situation where, like they have no use for Jeremy Grant. I have no idea why they. Gave well, yes, but they've said contract. that. What like, use are they going to have for Toby? Well, they don't have. That's what they don't have to trade Toby. Like, do you think the Blazers would just take three expiring contracts and like draft just, picks for him? If they're willing to do that, yeah, and but with the draft fit... picks, I love that for Philly because a Grant started really in Philly. He's that? comfortable. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy Grant makes thirty, and then I just say you could you can get to like thirty three with. I think it's like Marcus Markeith Morris makes seventeen. Um. Marcus. Covington's on 11. Cork Moss makes like five or six. You can get there without giving up like a real player. I think it's just all whether Joe Cronin wants to, um, you know, is he whether he's willing to part ways with Jeremy Grant or not for, you know, I, I don't think 
Grant, he's going to get as much value back for Grant as he's going to want to, especially with that contract, because that contract was a lot more desirable for them when they had Dame still. But now that they don't have yeah, Dame, it made obviously, no sense. Like it, it reminds think... me exactly of when like the Cavs knew that they were losing LeBron, he was going to the Lakers, and they still gave Kevin Love a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Why are you offering Jeremy Grant a five-year contract when you know you're about to trade Dame in like forty-eight hours? It made no sense to me then. It still makes no sense to me. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I just. I'm, not, I'm really confused where the Blazers are because they've seemed like almost reluctant to trade some of their pieces. I hopefully they trade Brogdon. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to see yeah. them trade Jeremy Grant to like. Okay, let's it's say so hard the, to though. Let's say you're the Sixers. What's so hard to trading Jeremy Grant? No, people. Yes, are, it is. His contract's bro. not that bad, bro. It's it's bad for them. It's not that bad, bad for other teams. Thirty is tough. Thirty is a little bit. It's tough. pretty bad. I, I like Jeremy Grant a lot. Thirties. Thirties a little rich. I think that's not. But a like Grant I said, I mean, if, like if, you said, Nate, the Julius makes more. Julius makes less. Or sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah that's what I meant. No, I, he I makes more than Julius. Yeah. But and Brunson. Well, well, Julius and Brunson are both on like two of the best contracts in the league, though, so that's not really fair. Um, I know it's still like comparative. Jeremy, yeah, I think Jeremy but, Grant's probably on one of the. But worst, I though. think at this point, the Sixers have to be willing to like deal with another contract. I, I think that fit would be perfect, and I don't think they're going to get a star. There's no stars really available. They're not going to trade for like Lamelo Ball or something. Like the Hornets aren't parting ways with that. Like most of these young teams, any of their good players are like their franchise players. So they're not trading any of those teams. The teams aren't winning now. That's why it's just so weird. The star market right now is so like, it's just people aren't on the move like that other than the role players right now. It just seems that all the teams who have stars are content with keeping them or, and are adamant about keeping them. So again, like you like you said, Dion, I just think, you know, maybe going out and getting a big role player or two for those some of those expiring contracts could be huge for them, especially... Maybe if they can get like a Clarkson off the bench, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to build a big three. Like as we've seen with a lot of these championship teams, like it's more about having two guys with, with really good depth surrounding it. I feel like Embiid and Maxi is good enough of a one-two punch if they put the right pieces around. I agree. So, like I said, like a Bruce Brown or yeah, like Jeremy Grant, if they go and add two really high level role players, like starter ish caliber guys, they're that's about as good as I think they might get. But they can't wait on it. I think I think you can't be too aggressive and you know, give up the whole farm for one guy, but yeah, like they shouldn't they go dump their entire wait. farm for like expiring DeMar DeRozan or something. But I think right. they also have to be aggressive and trying to at least improve the roster in some capacity. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Embiid's been too good. They have to go and make a move. I need an opinion. Not gonna be great either. There's not a lot of free agents. I need an opinion on what you guys think about this. So maybe a little unrealistic because he had recently got moved, and I think that you know the Celtics covet this guy. Even though he's been a little bit inconsistent, I already don't. But like uh, <laughs> oh god, he said he was. Oh yeah, you're a Celtics fan. But what are your thoughts on Drew Holiday this year? I mean, he's been great. good. But, he's been yeah. fantastic. I think Derek White is better, to be honest, because I think Drew. Okay, so do you, so do you guys? Th so do you think that you guys would be open to moving Drew no. Holiday for the right people? Why would the Celtics right? move uh, anything? Right definitely now. not to the six. There's no world in which they. Trade Drew Holiday. Bro, Nate, you say you say why wouldn't they? But like, bro, why would the why would the Celtics blow no. up what they have right now? Their chemistry is amazing. No their one said is... that they're gonna blow up what they got right now. Well, it's getting rid of Drew, Drew Holiday. Holiday. You have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek. What? You have so many other players. Drew Holiday is their best. Sometimes you get a package is, that you no, can't. Sometimes no you get a package you can't resist. Yeah. What, who what, is what gonna give you a package you can't resist for Drew Holiday? Yeah. There's no way. 
Like there's no way the the Sixers don't even have enough to offer Boston to try to even entice them from taking that away. The 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 chances that a team like a top two seed, a legit championship favorite, even touches their roster before the at the deadline is always very unlikely. I don't see Boston making any trades or any moves at all. Yeah, I could see them going like cobbling some of those lower salaries together to go get another guard because my one thing with the Celtics is like I love Peyton Pritchard, but there are definitely certain nights where he's just too small. Like the no, matchup yeah. just doesn't work for him. So the guy like I've been targeting is like DeLon Wright. If they put together a bunch of their like bottom of the roster salaries, they can go get DeLon Wright. That's like I a type of like move that. I can see them making. But with the best record in the league, yeah, there's no way they trade anyone in their starting lineup. Definitely not trade him to the Sixers. There's no way. Yeah, that, that'd be like the Clippers going and trading like Paul George to, to the Lakers. Essentially, yeah. But I like that Danny's thinking, though. He's, he's got his thinking cap on. He's getting creative. I got to respect him for that. What what team should we do next? Uh, Danny, do you have a team you want to talk about? Uh, let me look at the list that I sent you. I forgot who I put. No, yeah. I didn't really need that, like, tone of disgust, though. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, Nate. What? Why would they? <laughs> like, it's, Jesus it's, Christ. It's bro. entertainment, just... bro. I'm not, like, actually, like... The only oh. other teams, okay, so the ones I had on my list were the Suns, uh, the Nets, and the Grizzlies. Nets, I want to talk about the Nets. All right, but I got some thoughts. All right, so we're going to stay in the Atlantic Division. We're going to go over to the one of the most irrelevant teams in the NBA, um, the Brooklyn Nets. I, I'm sorry I've said the most relevant teams in the NBA, but uh, I mean, you you guys saw the game against the Knicks they had like two weeks ago or a week ago. It was a home game, or that was technically an away game because they had Mikael Bridges being booed at the free throw line in the clutch. Whatever. I just wanted to say that yeah, it's, because I can. It's rough in Brooklyn right now, man. But what is what is wrong with the Nets? Why are they content or adamant about building around Mikael Bridges? He is not young. He's like 27, and you know, I like Mikael Bridges. Not a franchise player at all in the slightest. And they pay Cam Johnson a lot of money too, and he's not going to be your second option on a championship contender either. So, uh, yeah, I think it's obvious the Nets are sellers, but like, when the fuck are the Nets going to wake up and realize that? Well, the, the issue the issue with the Nets is that they don't they don't own their draft pick. Like, even if it's the number one overall pick, I'm pretty sure it goes to Houston this year. So they can't exactly tank. Like, I, I definitely think they should be trading some of their expiring contracts and get some value for it because I think they'll be bad either way. But they can't they can't just like tank as far as like why they're building around Mikhail. It's kind of just all they have. Like Ben Simmons, I think is going to play tonight, but he essentially oh, boy. nothing for them. Oh, boy. It's Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. So as much like I like to think like when I think about the Nets, I like to think that like if they had what was it 2019 Ben Simmons, like all NBA Ben Simmons, if he was on this team, like I think they would make way more sense. The issue with the Nets is they just have no identity on either end of the Literally. floor. Like, I don't like, I'm sure you watch them as much as any other team. What are the Nets? What do they do? Like, what do they do on offense? They, yeah. What do they do on defense? I have no idea. It's, they don't do anything well. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no it, direction. There's no if identity. They don't, if, they go, if they don't get an open shot in 23 seconds, they throw it to Cam Thomas, who then right. chucks up a yep, literally. You know, shot, shot clock warrior fucking deep ball. I think actually yeah. Cam Thomas might have the most empty stats in all of basketball. Dude, he gets shit on too much, I think. And he, he uh, and I feel like a lot of it has to do with that is that he just often gets set up with the fucking 
yeah. shot clock cheese. Just he has yeah. to chuck it I mean, up or take he, a stupid shot. Like he does that on his own accord, though. Sometimes, yeah, he, he does, does that a yes, lot. Yes, 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 yes. Like, he always when, he's a shoot, hey, shoot or shoot, man. Yeah, shoot or shoot. You're right. That's, but yeah, I think the, the Nets just don't have great options. Like, what what else are they going to do? Like, Mikhail, I would I would say he is their best player. So oh, easily. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, Jesus. So Christ, the fact yes. that they're building around him, it's not like he, it's a mistake, but it's just it's he's not a number one option though. Well, he has I, to be a co-star. See, he has to be a no co-star. Means. Where I see it as a mistake is the fact that they were offered four first-round picks last year for Mikael Bridges. They have no draft capital, and they could have just recouped a lot of that. And they're – I don't know. I would just – like, I know that they shouldn't just outright tank because that's obviously not smart with not having your own draft picks. But I think they have to trade some of like their good players to get definitely, – re- definitely. regain some of that draft capital because they don't have any yeah. young guys they, that are going to be coming they, in, and this team clearly isn't winning now. They literally they have um uh they have their first round pick next yeah they need to start moving on from uh from the current roster and yeah I, I, I you 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 flip at probably as much as you can do like Nate said Macau's twenty seven bro you you try to you try to flip Macau to a team that thinks that they're one piece away maybe like the team that we just talked about maybe. I think that's um, too much. Like, I think I would be of the mindset of trading like Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Dennis Smith, like the guys on expiring contracts. But if you trade Mikhail, like you, he, like I know they they built a little bit of a lead I, on like the Pistons and the Wizards and everything. But you trade Mikhail, like you're you're in real danger of giving up a top three or four pick. I what 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 and what's that? Wait, what do you mean? And what sounds like if it, if they trade Mikhail for like just draft picks and like salary filler, they're already really uh, bad, and like now they're going to really tank and like. You know, as of right now, they're probably giving up what, like the tenth or eleventh pick, something like that, which is fine. Like I think you can you can move on. You give them the Rockets pick, you give the Rockets a pick this year, and then like you said, they own their pick next year. If you trade McHale for like just draft picks or just future assets, you might be giving up like the fourth or fifth pick. Which I know, like we said, not a great draft, but I th- I think you should keep McHale at least for next season, just so you don't give up a top the, five pick. I would the say. the thing with that is that I think that they're like I think McHale is a perfect co star or potential very very good third piece on a championship team and i yeah. think that i you know i think that's who's going to be valuing him in the uh around the trade deadline um my thing with brooklyn though is that i think that like by the time like, like they're just they're in a very weird spot right now and i think that by the time that they think like oh let's try to go for let's try to go for our star like i don't think mccall's going to be in well, how about this? I have, I have, I want to run this the, by you guys. Yeah, not, not, I don't want to say in the picture, but just not going to be, you know, on the stepping stool that he's on right now, especially because he's a number one option. So he has a little bit of inflated stats, I'll say. No, I, I agree with you. This is something that I uh, suggested to my co host on our podcast when we did some mock trades a couple weeks ago. What do you guys think about Mikhail Bridges instead of Laurie Markinen? They go, the OKC Thunder go after Mikhail Bridges in exchange for Josh Giddy and some first round draft picks. I don't know that the Thunder do it. My rationale for the Thunder doing it is because God, Giddy feels like the odd man out, like both when it comes time to start paying these rookies, but also just currently it doesn't feel like he's the best fit. Like he's fine. He's still putting up his numbers, but it doesn't feel like he's going to be able to maximize his own skill set playing on this Thunder team with all the other ball handlers they have. Mikhail would slide in perfectly, like with J-Dub on the wing or at the forward spot, I think. And if if it, the Nets are going to trade it, Mikhail, like they need something to build around. Like it they doesn't Mikhail solve for just draft picks. Like that, that becomes like an absolute dumpster fire of a roster. They get giddy. They can at least build around him and like start to actually have an identity. So I, I like, so well, 
the the thing is that like you kind of have to look at it. I like I like the perspective from the Nets perspective e easily because you have so many draft picks that you could just take from the Thunder and then not even care. You know what I mean? But like in the sense that like it makes the Thunder a lot better defensively, but at the same time it doesn't solve their rebounding issue, which is what right. I think they're gonna try to probably um, counteract this this trade deadline. This so I recommended uh, Daniel Gafford for him. What do you think about that? I don't hate the Daniel. I saw something about Andre Drummond too that I yeah, also I saw don't the hate. report too. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely just someone to back up Chet just for some size. Yeah, yeah. But I like I like Mikhail and the Thunder. I think I think that's a trade that that makes a lot of sense for both sides. Hey, trust me, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't dislike it. Outside all. of that though, like yeah, I don't I don't really know what the Nets do. Like I agree with you, Nate. I hate Cam Johnson's contract. Like before he got it, I was thinking to myself like, yeah, I'm a big Cam Johnson fan. I love Cam Johnson. Then he got the contract, and I was like, oh. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't like Cam Johnson like I thought because I don't see any world in which he's he's worth was it twenty five no. or twenty six million he's making. It's crazy to me. He's I'm a pretty sure he makes more he's than Mikael, and he's, he's he is he's just like Steve Novak on steroids. Isn't he no, like the same age as Mikael too? Disrespectful. That's no. a little disrespectful. No, nope, I, I, I don't care. Isn't Cam Johnson like the same age as Mikael too? He's like twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, he's not yeah, young yeah, either. Yeah. He's no spring chicken. Yeah, he yeah he got he's drafted at like twenty three or something. But yeah, I, one I thing I want to butt in and say is I'm going to play devil's advocate really quick here just because I would never uh, – not I would never do that trade, but I think the thing with Giddy is regardless of what you think of Giddy personally right now or whatnot, I, I don't want to go into that, but right. Giddy is a great player for the Thunder offensively in the sense that he is a perfect – you talk about glue guys defensively like Draymond, um, Dylan Brooks, like – Giddy is a glue guy offensively. We're in the fact that he can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. He can make plays for his teammates. He's actually a very solid rebounder for a guard. He shoots pretty efficiently from, from the field. And then from three, he's gotten better. He's respectable from three. It's just Giddy, he's a big reason for why the Thunder's ball movement is so good. And I just think bringing in Mikhail is going to hurt them when SGA, he's a great player, obviously, but I don't think SGA is a true point guard. He's more of a shooting guard in my eyes. He doesn't play make for his teammates all the time like he is a good playmaker but he is not enough of a he's not good enough of a playmaker i think that they can justify losing giddy right now and i they're already a great defensive and shooting team so i don't think that make getting mikhail is going to help them all that much because they're just adding to their strengths rather than you know yeah um addressing some of their weaknesses like their rebounding mm, Nate, i gotta say it's a pretty strong counter argument i'm a little a little upset so I'm sorry, man. I've been sky high about this Mikhail Giddy idea, but you make a good point. Yeah, he kind of just like enhances it, what they already do. Yeah, it would. It I also would, not to I, go I into, think I, not to go into detail point. about things with Giddy, but I think that the Nets would definitely be hesitant to to even trade for him with everything that's been going on yeah, in the drama. Yeah, that yeah, that. yeah. Especially it's like, dude, you're in. Like, I know it's not the New York team. It's still New York. It, it, it's a it's a New York market, though, dude. I don't know. I don't know if Josh will be able to handle that. But at the same time, like. Uh, Nate, I could kind of agree with you, like, uh, where you're coming from. Like, the Thunder, I think one of their biggest strengths is uh, their ball movement this year has been amazing. It's like I love watching them the... just because of that. It's like, like sex. It's like it's like everyone touches the ball in every single possession, and you know, getting rid of Josh Giddy would definitely hurt that because he's sometimes he sees a step ahead in the sense that like. The ball's supposed to go to this guy and then to Giddy and then to this guy and then to this guy. So like sometimes Giddy throws that pass across court because Giddy is a an above average passer. And well, I think he's, above be, average. he's a very, very good smart, passer. Smart yeah, and, maker, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just I think that Mikel on our team would only service as a three and D guy. And 
although it would be nice to have more more strength on our on top of our strength um i i just i don't know if it would be worth the loss of the playmaking and ball movement because yeah, i like, think that that's what makes the thunder special it's obviously a very good thing to add to your strengths but i think addressing weaknesses is definitely more important especially when you're a legit title contender like the thunder seem to be right now yeah. but again so I, I think with the nets we can uh agree that they should oh i'm getting a fucking phone call Oh boy! Fucking Christ! Um, sorry, Terry Rozier just crossed the rant. Yeah, so the. Hold on. I'll do. We'll do one more team and then wrap it up. That's fine. If that's cool with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. What team do you guys want to do? Um. Oh, the Grizzlies. Oh, Warriors. Oh, okay. David, you see the Grizzlies too? We. Oh uh, no, we can do the Warriors. That's fine. We. I'm cool with the Warriors. All right. I'm cool with either. I think the Grizzlies are a little easier to figure out, but the Warriors are probably like a more desirable topic to yeah, true. discuss. So, yeah, let's do the Warriors. Fuck it. After a brief intermission from a phone call, um, we're going to go on to our last team here. One of, you know, the most successful franchises of this century. The dynasty could be over, but we're talking about the Golden State Warriors. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Uh, they obviously, I think, should be buyers in my opinion, but I think Part of being buyers includes potentially moving on from Clay Thompson or yeah. Draymond Green because of the contract situations and making that work. Yeah, this is this is like the most interesting one that I think we've talked about so far. Like you could go either way with this team, like just completely blow it up and just completely reset. But there is a world, like you said, with some of the contracts they have, they could be buyers. I feel like honestly, I don't see a world in which they trade Clay or Dre. Even if, like, Me on either. paper, it's probably the right decision. It, yeah, they won't do it. Just, it's way too hard. Like, those loyalty. guys are getting statues. I, I, don't, I don't see yeah. how they trade them. I do think, though, that Chris Paul could have some value for the right team. Um, obviously, his fit is, like, very dependent uh, on, the, on the situation. Like, he's really only going to work in specific instances. But there are teams out there, I think, that would like to have his, his veteran leadership running their offense. And Chris Paul go to the Knicks. Will they win their first championship? And he gets six men of the year. Is going to be pure cinema. Yeah, I, yeah the idea that's... I had, the <laughs> idea I had was um was Chris Paul going Chris to the Magic because the Magic really I like that in the half court. I do like that. They and, need it, a point and, it, it get, and it gives them a veteran presence too. Exactly. For all those young guys. Exactly. Yeah. That's this is like a team that. that like obviously they're not they're by no means contending, but this is a team that's trying to win. Is trying to get into the playoffs this year. They're the eight seed right now. Chris Paul, I think, does a lot for their team. And they have but, they have movable contracts. Like well, I, I also like the you, thing though, you just you just know that if they were to go after Chris Paul though, all that anybody would make jokes about is that the Magic are just like the Orlando guards. Like I mean, the, dude, they the, have yes, so many the, guards. The problem with the Magic is that none of their point guards are like actual point guards. Like, right, right. None of them. Right. Like Cole Anthony's a scorer. Jalen Suggs. That's a lost art in the NBA now. It's a lost art. Yeah. Shout out, Anthony. shout out to Trey Jones keeping it alive. <laughs> Trey and Trey and uh Trey Tyus. and Tyus, but Trey's like the only like young up and coming like pure point guard left. Like True. we got like Monte Morris, he's like a veteran at this point. Tyus Jones is a veteran at this point. Who else? Yeah. I mean, Kyle Lowry is about as good as washed. I think Reese can be if yeah, just... Reese, he's he's like too. Who the fuck is like, Reese? Yeah, like he, like people compare him to Steve Nash, but I think I mean, he's who is Reese? Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, oh my god, I'm dumb. Get with it, old man. <laughs> But what yeah, about geez, like bro. what about a world like Chris Paul makes 30 mil? You have Markel Fultz on a 17 million dollar expiring, Gary Harris on a 13 million dollar expiring. That's 30 right there. 
you could throw in. Well, no, they probably keep him. The thing good. that I like they, about they Chris, get there. the thing we we can talk about Chris Paul's. Remember when he was on that Thunder team and they exactly, overachieved exactly. a ton? I think Chris Paul's lasting impact, even years after he's gone for yes. the team, is could be so huge for the Magic because having you know Paolo's obviously a generational type talent. Um, I don't say generate. He could be a perennial All Star. Uh, yeah, uh, generational is a stretch. But yeah, he's yeah. Very okay, good. I don't. Uh, he's not quite. I, Wendy, I, I, I'd I'd meet a middle ground there. Yeah, I'd I think a middle somewhere in the there. middle, but. Having Chris Paul mentoring those guys and you know instilling some discipline in their young core could be really like invaluable. Absolutely, no. That's yeah. that's where I was going to go next. It's like, yeah, I think he would help this current iteration of the Magic, but yeah, the long lasting impact that he would have on a guy like Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs. I'm, and I'm not going to lie too. If the Warriors could get back like a Wendell Carter for that, because the, they do have like three centers: Wagner, Carter, and uh, Batadze, Batadze, Goga Batadze. Yeah, Batadze yeah. Or I butcher his name every time, but I love you it. Got it. Having a good but, year. Um, yeah, I, I I see them trading Wendell Carter because he's probably has the most value out of those guys, and I think they're more comfortable not paying. Um, or Wendell Carter's contract is actually very manageable. It's only ten million a year for a guy as good as he is. And obviously, the Warriors need need a big. They do. Like Kevon Looney's right. good. I don't think he should be starting. Um, as good as he's been in the playoffs before, it's just like they could they need more talent. They don't have a lot of talent right now, uh, or their their talent is old. So it's not they're not as talented as they used to be, obviously, because Clay is just not Clay anymore. He still shoots the ball well, but his defense when, is atrocious. He doesn't really pass the ball a whole lot. And, when Wendell would also be such a good weak side help defender. Yeah, I, I, just, I like that pairing with Draymond like, a lot. Like like coming over to help, bro, would be so much more tolerable watching from Wendell Carter than and he can shoot the ball. fucking Kavon Looney. Yeah, yeah, and Wendell could shoot the ball. So that's also a scheme fit there, too. I don't you think, think there's a do you think there's any value for Wiggins? That's no. That's why anyone take a didn't, didn't didn't they say that he had a, that he had a, a negative market negative or value. something, negative value? Yeah, like that's yeah, the I whole mean, that's thing. that's understandable. I yeah, think Wiggins has to start playing if this team wants to do anything, even like make like um I don't know. There's not enough time for Wiggins to get his value back up. That's the thing is the trade deadline's coming right. up, so. Yeah, yeah they probably got to just stick with him and hope he gets at least that, that, yeah. back to his twenties. I don't think Wiggins is one of the pieces that they can move. One of the things that I do just want to happen is I like. Regardless of what moves they make, I want them to free up space for Kaminga to be their full time starter. Right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. He's been too good. Not even necessarily he's been, he's been too good. good, but like they he's very clearly need to maximize his potential if they're going to do anything. Yeah. No, nah, he's been, he's been, I think he's been fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, they got to give him it, more runway. Dude, honestly, though, like with the Warriors, if we're, if we're just going to sit here and set loyalty, all loyalty aside, like just, yes, it's, buying also goes with a little bit of selling like just just try to get some upgrades try to upgrade clay try to upgrade dre even though yeah, I mean, they if, won't if they, putting, they won't even they will they will not even touch I don't even, their names in a trade finder because of the fact that like you said they're both they're getting statues and yeah it's a loyalty yeah, if thing we're, bro if they're we're the dynasty it's like the side, draymond would already be on the lakers yeah yeah exactly the whole thing though too is that it, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I get it. I don't. I don't even think it's all just about replacing Clay and Dre. I think it's about ha- getting more people so Clay and Dre don't have to do as much because I don't think yeah. that their bodies and at this point in their career, I don't think they can handle as big of a workload as they're being asked to carry. Oh, you know who I like on the Warriors? Podziemski. Yes. Yeah, Podziemski. Yeah, like he's that. like their yeah, only like that kid. only uh young player outside of Kaminga that's been productive for them. Yeah. So I yeah, just open up more opportunity for those two. And I mean I Clay said bar for bar 
like two days ago that he still sees himself as a high level wing in this league. So yeah, and he wants to get paid like such. Yeah, which is like the only team that. Well, no, no team would no no team in their right mind would do it, but it. Warriors are the team. No, that okay. Most likely see I mean, <laughs> I, if we're I being know. realistic here. The Warriors are not going to trade Trey, uh, Clay, and Dre. No. They're going to no. have to do something to you know build the roster around what those three guys still because it's just it's the reality of things. So they can still get better without trading those two guys, but it's going to be hard. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, and uh, I, I think that they they should be buyers, but. It's just so hard. They should be sellers almost, I want to say. But, you know, with Steph, it's you can't just waste the rest of Steph's career rebuilding and having him sit there. Thank you guys all for listening to the Booming Basketball Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, I'm Nate and Danny. Danny, thanks for joining me. And Dion from Hoop Journal. Again, special thanks to you for coming on to the show. Guys, everyone go follow Hoop Journal on Instagram. Check out his podcast. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. We will see you guys in the next episode. Peace.